0: Welcome to FinTech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different FinTech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, a recording of a presentation I gave at the Greater Toronto Area Accountants Network recently. This specifically addressed fintech trends and companies of interest in the accounting and bookkeeping fields and provided a little bit of advice for various practitioners on how they can start to implement these solutions within their own practice. And with that, here's my presentation. Today we're really, going to cover about three different areas. First of all, I'm going to give you, talk briefly about some trends that are driving a lot of changes in technology. Then I'm going to talk about how technology is specifically disrupting or basically enabling better relationships with your clients in the accounting field and things that you would normally touch. And then I'm going to just give you some kind of tips on some other technologies that might help you run your teams or your practices. And really this is almost in part a shopping list for all of you, so hopefully you learn something. So there are six trends I'm gonna talk about. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on them. I'm gonna to briefly touch upon them all. But the first one is the cloud. So by now, hopefully, everybody is familiar with the cloud. Right? It's been a while now. right? The cloud is this magical place that our picture of ca- pictures of cats disappear to be backed up. Right? And not only that, but basically everything else. So the cloud, what people don't necessarily understand is that it's powered by massive, massive data centers sitting in the and God- world God knows where. In addition to the entire capacity for storage, which is what most of us know it for, what's really what's what's really important about the cloud is that it has changed the way tech companies are built. It used to be back in the day that you would have to go and spend tens of thousands of dollars on server technology and then start building building your your tech style, your tech offering, and then as you grew, you would have to continue to build and ramp up at very large costs. Well, companies such as Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Azure now offer this as a remote service. So, literally, you can start a company with a laptop and scale up as fast as humanly possible because it's just sitting there waiting for you to use. And the price scales with you. So, this has enabled kind of what I'll we'll call a bit of an explosion in tech companies and cloud companies simply because it's dropped the price of entry substantially. The next trend that we're gonna talk about is API. So it stands for App- Application Protocol Interface, don't worry about that. Basically, what it really is, is a way for one piece of technology to talk to another piece of technology. So anytime you've connected two things, your accounting software is say your payroll software, you have used an API. It's basically, it's an open door that says, hey, this is how you get this data from my software. Someone comes along, writes a piece of code in the middle, and two things can talk to each other. And how prolific is this? It's so prolific that there's a company that does nothing but build connections between APIs. That's all they do. A company called Zapier, big surprise where they got their first with the middle three letters from. But if there is a company that is widely used that has a API guaranteed they're finding a way to tie something else into it. Everything from if someone takes a picture of you and tags it on Facebook. Uh, as soon as you're tagged, it will download to your Google Photos album, it could even record time and date or word location on a spreadsheet, any number of things. Those are some of the more frivolous ones, but there's all kinds of incredibly useful functional business tools. And I would say that sometimes, often, oftentimes I'll just go on and type in two pieces of software want and see the number of different ways I can connect them. Next up is data aggregation, and I think you've all benefited from this in this field simply because data aggregation is the way we suck in information from multiple sources into one solution. So the most common way you've seen this work is through essentially uh, accounting software. If a client's got accounts of multiple banks, credit cards of multiple banks, you just hit a refresh on some of these accounting softwares and it will pull a feed from all of them and essentially update everything. So this is enabling us to basically collect data faster from multiple sources. And there's even companies who've built their entire practice on this. So a company in the US in particular comes to mind, uh, Personal Capital, they aggregate data for free for 1.9 million users. They give it away for free because it's become a channel for them to then basically sell their asset management business. And they provide a lot of really great insight. They talk about you know basically spending, your portfolios are properly balanced, what's the cost of it, and that gives them also data points to then sell against. The next trend is big data. So big data is really about companies finding ways to monetize the data they've been collecting in the regular course of business in new ways they never dreamt of. And we just so happen to be home to one of the biggest players in this space, a company called Quandl. They are leaders in what is known as alternative data. Yes, I know, not quite alternative facts, but alternative data. So what does this mean? They go in and they consult with companies who've never sold data before and find ways for them to basically mine that for, for gold, essentially. So here's an example. Let's say that they Essentially, go in to deal with an insurance company, and this insurance company sells car insurance. So they not only issue car insurance policies, but they also at the same time issue a lot of quotes. The last thing you do before you finish buying a car is you basically get a quote for insurance. So why is this information important? Well, if you have the sense if you have enough of a, a large enough insurance company, you have enough quotes, uh, a request for quotes on, on insurance coming, in, you can turn around and then probably figure out how many cars of that type are being sold. And that information is valuable to people in the asset management space and hedge funds. So for example, Tesla, or if maybe you're a hedge fund taking a bet for or against Tesla, you think it's gonna work, they're gonna meet their targets or not on a Model 3. Well, if you're paying for this data, you're gonna probably have a much better picture of it when the, the, the quarterly conference call comes around than not. And that's just one of talent's examples. They're finding ways to basically take large data sets and find new ways to monetize them. And then when you do with that data, you get it. Artificial intelligence. This really is a term that encompasses many different forms of technology. But we're starting to see small applications for us starting to grow into bigger applications. So one example, a simple one, is salesforce.com, the largest CRM provider in the world. They have their own own AI that they they call Einstein, hence the cute little figure next to it, and they came up with this about two years ago, and there's some very simple early stage applications that they started to put into place, and the first one is called the Einstein score. What is that? They data mine all the pieces of information that, they, that you can feed into the system. So all the emails they get forwarded, to that, all the times of points of contact you've had, the number of times the client has basically opened up their website. And they can actually tell you what the probability of that client leaving you is. Or your ability to retain them. All based on, even down to the tone of the email. They can tell if the email is irritated. And how do they tell this? Because they build profiles around clients who stay or leave. Right, client surveys—they match the satisfaction surveys. They match up with the experiences. And the longer, the more data that the system gets, the more it's able to basically make that refine that algorithm and be even more accurate, telling you where you need to spend your time in order to save business. One of the more recent applications they came out with at the recent conference was a dictation tool where you dictate your notes into your sales notes. Doesn't sound that compelling, except for the fact that the AI is scanning that that uh, input. And what they're doing in return is, if I'm saying something, hey, like, hey, I just met with my client uh, for his quarterly review, I need to do this transaction in his account and I'm going to follow up with, the, uh, with a um, copy of his statement and I'm gonna meet again in three months. The AI is scanning for the action items and as I'm saying I need to do this or someone needs to do that, it is literally creating that activity in the CRM and assigning it to the proper person or triggering the proper action. Blockchain, you guys have heard about this a lot, haven't you? How many of your clients have asked you about Bitcoin? Be honest. Hands. Okay. All right. I mean, that guy from Raymond James, to put his hand up. I'm surprised about that. Anyway, so I can actually not understate how much blockchain is going to uh, change the underlying infrastructure of technology. Now, I say that it's super awesome, but it's going to be hardly noticeable for most people. It's just going to make the way we work a lot better. And really, what the blockchain is, I'm not going to get into that because that's another hour-long speech. But essentially, it's a way for Securing rights on the internet for making sure that someone is entitled, is entitled to something, it's theirs, and it's not being double counted by someone else. And the one I recently was bit was Bitcoin, which is they're trying to make a virtual currency and may or may not succeed. Uh, you have Ether, which allows for smart contracts, which is simply a way of ensuring that if I do work and prove it, I get paid or if something else reciprocal happens. And you also have a couple other ones. And what this is the thing about the account space is it's right for this because you think about. Bitcoin, one of the most obvious applications to blockchain is the elimination of the need for reconciliation of anything. right? Because we are constantly trying to reconcile statements with what the transactions are and make sure that works. If the transaction infrastructure of the banking system was on blockchain, there would be no need for reconciliation anymore. So those are the major trends. And you're gonna see that a lot of those functions are being applied in some of the companies we're gonna talk about. So what I'm gonna talk about is a, a lot of these some of these companies are probably you've seen them before or you're familiar with them, but I'm going to talk about some of the applications and the way they're going to extend themselves in the near future. So let's start off simply so with accounting software. Darren Geardebert everybody's hard here. So big players in the way in the, clouds, the cloud accounting software space. Of course, you have QuickBooks, but you have newer players like Zero Wave and FreshBooks. Interestingly enough, three of these companies actually are were never a desktop software. They always they were born in the cloud and they pioneered certain technologies, like, yes, A being cloud technology, but also allowing people to collaborate with their accounts more by not limiting the number of users you have access to, and data aggregation, funneling that, that information straight into the accounting software and reducing the amount of time it takes to reconcile. In fact, some of these companies, like Wave, basically offer this service for free. Now, the interesting play in the future, and I've talked to people at Xero about this, is that as these companies gain scale, and they basically have a live view of everybody's of every situation, when you have two companies in the same accounting software transacting, is there any reason why the accounting software can't be the transactional medium in the first place? They can literally get into the, into the clearing game as well. And again, therefore, thereby eliminating another point or need for reconciliation. Point of sale. You know how easy it is to sell things these days? Does anyone here take credit card for payment for any of your services? Hands up, come on, seriously, nobody? Okay, couple of you, right? Frankly, the rest of you should be putting your hands up too because it's not hard anymore. Literally you can, on your website, it's a line of code for Stripe, or look at this nice picture here. You can set up an actual virtual point of sale device with an iPad and collect credit cards with a tap from Square. Charges you the same thing as you would for collecting your credit cards anywhere else. Remember how difficult payroll used to be? Right, still is, but not, not perfect. So some of these accounting softwares, like Wave and QuickBooks, actually integrate pay- payroll directly into the accounting software, and they monetize that way. That's how Wave is able to offer for free, because they don't monetize off of, off of uh, accounting software, they monetize off of services. But you also have standalone players like Payment Evolution, WagePoint, Simple Pay, And again, let's go back to the API situation. That information can directly feed right back into the accounting software without you having to do anything. When my payroll runs through Simple Pay. I don't touch anything. It basically goes right into the accounting system as an entry. Every, how many of how your clients still show up with bags or boxes of receipts? Can you, can you just tell them to stop and just download an app, please? Like, like I, I can't understand how that is smarter than, I haven't, I haven't kept the receipt in years now. Why? Because literally I pull out my phone, I take a picture, it's done. Right? Not only that, I mean, that's one thing that I have a receipt. The system also scans it, pulls out the HST, identifies the vendor, categorizes the expense, passes it over to my accounting software, and at the button at one button click is reconciled. Works really well. Sorry? Oh I just a, it works really well. There you go, that man over there endorsed it. So many of these accounting softwares actually have it built in, but you also have standalone players like receipt bank and frankly it works incredibly well. And here's the best part. You know what an audit's like when you have this software working? It is the easiest thing in the world. Oh you want to see these transactions? Click. Not only is the transaction there, there's the receipt attached to it. Guess what CRA does? Moves on the low-hanging fruit. Hopefully, hopefully they're not listening. Okay, so, but what about the stuff that you need to collect for reconciliation that's not actually, um, that's not uh, a receipt, right? What about statements, right? Client statements, you always ask me to bring me that. Well, there's a company called PubDoc, which was actually just acquired by Xero, um, by it's actually based out of Toronto, and what they do is they will log into any basically any vendor you can get, and they will literally pull the statement out of that account and store it in one centralized place. So if you have multiple bank accounts, multiple credit cards, all your utilities, all any vendors you use that have uh, online portals, they can log can log in and it will store it all in one space. I have years worth of bank statements, I haven't looked at a single one, but they're there. The other thing that uh, that's great that's being enabled by all these things is that because we can flow data freely between devices between uh, between platforms, there's companies are focusing on narrower and narrower verticals in these spaces, right? So, for example, how many people here think that their financial statements look beautiful? I don't mean, the numbers, but pretty, like actually pretty. No, right? And, and how, how dynamic a conversation piece is that with your clients? It's not, you're looking at a static piece of paper. So one of the vendors I use is a company called Fathom. And what this will do is it will suck in accounting data from whatever accounting software you want or Excel, And it produces an online digital dynamic presentation piece. So it basically turns your financial statements into beautiful charts, graphs, Talks about things like break even points, KPIs can be programmed in, they can benchmark themselves against uh, against other companies. You can also look at trends and you can do what is scenarios all in real time. All of this dynamically and critically and changing critically in front of you. Right? So these conversations you have with clients about how to better their business or improve their profitability, you can actually have a real-time dis- display or demonstration of this. And if you want a paper copy, yes, it prints up a paper copy It's actually far prettier than any financial statement I've ever seen. I tell you, I've used this with my business owner clients and just the dynamic way that we can have a conversation about their business and actually test things on the fly, nothing compares. Now, here's the other thing. One of the other things we do as professionals is we collaborate with other with other professionals. And actually, I was at the table, I was just at, we were just talking about cases of elder abuse and how problems come with that. And, and part of these things, so we're talking about, when it comes to elder abuse uh, and collaboration, there's a, there's a point that be made here in that communication, if it's improved amongst parties who are invested, only basically betters an experience, right? Whether that be kids making sure that one kid's not robbing the other, the parents blind, or whether that be accountants, lawyers, financial planners, and clients working collaboratively. So there's a company out there called Honest, O-N-I-S-T, people have often emailed me saying, can't find it with an H. So O-N-I-S-T, and what it does, it does a couple things. It gives you a data aggregator. So the client has all their data in one spot. It also has digital storage, so it has a folder system where you can basically upload files and folders too. Uh, It has a relationship mapping uh, system where basically you can put in the family tree, the corporate structures, map out relationships with different professionals. And the best part about this is that it can share, all this data can be shared with all the different professionals that the client wants to. So whether it be kids, their financial advisor, their accountant, their, their lawyer, their doctor, their guru, whatever. It doesn't matter, they can share with whomever they want, they can control what they see and what they don't see, and the clients can control the data at all times. And it even provides a secure chat functions for us to collaborate as professionals. So if I need to basically uh, have a secure conversation about the client's situation, I shouldn't be doing that over email, right? I can kind of pop in here, boom, the other professional gets a notice to go into the system and we can have a secure chat. How many clients, your clients have issues with spending? Yeah. Yeah? okay, there's, there's not enough laughter in the room, but anyway, so the point is, is that uh, there's all kinds of wonderful tools that exist now that, that basically will give clients better assist, better feedback for on spending. So yes, we've had data aggregators at like mint.com for a long time, but there's other companies like a Canadian startup called Coho. What they do is they provide basic banking services through a pre- prepaid visa. You can even have your, you can have, clients can even have their payroll deposited to it. And what does it give you in return? Well, the app gives you all kinds of actual items. It not only tells you where you're spending your money, but it also can keep you on budget, coach you, nudge you, uh, encourage you to invest more. They recently just signed a deal with Wealthsimple, where a client at the push of a button can say, hey, I've got extra cash lying in my account, click, send it over to my investment account, making it seamless. And even, you know, that's probably the first part of it, they'll probably be actually encouraging you to do that once you get above certain thresholds. So what they're doing here, and this is kind of a big data play, is they're taking this all in and they're trying to provide extra value and greater insight by basically mining that data. So funding clients' businesses. couple there's lots, there's lots of different options in this space, but I'm going to focus on two in particular. One is a newer one called Coral. Coral is a way for businesses to raise money without giving away equity or debt. Now, scratch your head on that one. Basically, what it's, co- what it's copying is the royalty model. People can use money to fund this company, the company will then be obligated to pay back the, the, the funding plus a upside, it's called between 25 to 100%, depending on the risk of the deal. But they do it through the royalty model, which means that they are paying a percentage of their profits every month towards this. Think about how, how that's far less constraining than scheduled debt payments, or far less upsides loss when you, when you basically have to give up equity. The other option, uh, the other one uh, in this space is, uh, is Lending Loop. So, Lending Loop is basically a peer to peer lending site. And I can personally say that I've actually used this in my own business after encountering countless amounts of frustration with banks. Anyone dealt with banks on business lending recently? Yeah. It's like trying to walk across hot coals these days. So, I kid you not, what took months to get a very unsatisfactory answer from the bank took me less than 24 hours to get an answer from Lending Loop. You sign up, fill out some basic questions about your business profile, business owners, who owns what, whatever it is, you link your bank account, corporate bank account to it, you link your accounting software to it, it sucks it all up, and within 24 hours, they've analyzed all those data points, plus a bunch of stuff they can find all over the place. And they tell you what, they came back and said, we can underwrite your deal at this rate, and you would have a rating of A plus whatever it was. <coughs> what happens then? Deal gets posted on their marketplace, they have 30 days to fund it. Mine got funded in less than 15, I think. And we had donor, donors in the six figures, and we had, well, know, we had lenders in the six figures, and lenders at as lowest of $25. And this is the best part. The spread between that and the bank, less than 1%. Far superior experience. Narrative science. So, I'm gonna inform you of a little secret you guys are probably not aware of. You've probably read, technically, you've probably read reports written by artificial intelligence already. Narrative science is a company that will take financial data, put it into their AI, you get to adjust things like tone or optimism and basically just, or areas you want to focus on, like spiders, and it spits out an actual analysis report. This is being used most frequently amongst asset managers because it's the easiest one to do. Simply put in the economic data, how your fund performed, whatever it was, and it will literally do the kind of general, conventional speak that everybody else does. I saw it. Now I saw the end result one time. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've been fooled by this at least once. So, anyone ever help the client settle a estate? Come on, yeah. And how much fun is that? Yeah, laughter. Not enough laughter. So there's a company in Canada that's trying to make this easier. It's called Quick Estate, and basically what it is is a cloud solution where you can. Where before you someone passes away you can either do a do-it-yourself solution or a concierge solution where you, up, where you basically get all the information that an executive would ever need to settle an the online. Right? So it's an online questionnaire, but it goes beyond that. So you update it as necessary. When someone passes away and proof of death is provided, then the executor is unlocked. And that executor toolkit basically not only provides the executor with all that information, which expedites the entire process, but it also provides them with the forms and videos and how-to guides and basically walks them through it step by step. So, so, so sorry? So we have more jobs left. So, the, so, the, so you have more jobs So I would say that if your job is solely to execute the heavy lifting of the state, yeah, you shouldn't be hoping for a future in that position, right? Like, uh, you, you know, one of the things, all those trends, if you couldn't put the pieces together on, on what those trends are all leading to, it's that heavy lifting redundant work, like basically re- reconciliation, it's gone. It's not gone yet, but it's gonna be gone. So unless you're providing higher level value type of advice, collect it. Yes. Is it Ontario based or is that uh, the forums Ontario? They they've done it by province, so it's basically it's across Canada. So, just to give you some examples of how this has been implemented, I've actually dealt with three different companies who, accounting firms, who have literally put their arms around technology and said, this is gonna be the core of our service offering, and we're gonna use this to provide superior experiences. The first company I encountered was about six years ago, a company called LiveCA, and I was just looking to migrate my, from, from QuickBooks, which I hated, over to zero, because I wanted to be online. And essentially, they helped me with that. But I've since watched them grow from a handful of people to somewhere between 60 to 80 employees. Here's a couple of cool things about them. A, they have no fixed address. Everybody works remote. And when I say remote, half the time I talk to them, I have to ask, where are you now? And the answer is like, Medellin, or Brazil, or like whatever crazy far off of place. And it's like, where, what were you doing yesterday? I was surfing. Like, this is, or they're they're just working from home, God knows where. And I will tell you, the experience has been absolutely superb, why? Because they've leveraged technology like Xero, Receipt Bank, Simple Pay, all of that, to literally create a, to reconcile my books on a monthly basis, give me quarterly calls, know where I stand with everything, and literally just, it's a super high touch service. And it's enabled because a lot of the more monotonous, boring, heavy lifting work is taken out of it. They do not accept clients who show up with bags full of, uh, of receipts. Right? You're either on your system or you're not. And it's enabled them to basically focus that time more on client-facing service. Connect CPA is another one of those firms. It's exactly very similar model, if not identical, in Toronto. And they, they focus on also helping clients with you know that, that program I showed you earlier, Fathom. You know, what are those? What are those uh, KPIs you should be hitting as a business? So that they're providing some business consultancy on top of that. And Bench. co. So Bench is a uh, is a company that actually was originally in the U.S. and moved, moved to Vancouver. And they have their own proprietary software where they're just trying to make bookkeeping as affordable and easy as possible. And if you think this is small, I mean, like I said, Live is somewhere between sixty to eighty people. I forget the exact number. And they even have their own in-house legal uh, tax council now. Bench. co. Raised eighteen million dollars in its last funding round. So technology is coming for your bananas. boring work. <laughs> So that should be a message to the to, to up. So that's really the disruptive technologies I'm looking at in your space. Uh, now in terms of running your own businesses and, and helping you with that, uh, there's a lot of tools out there that will help you with that as well. So the first one, get a profile. Before we go any further, the one most important thing when it comes to any of these technologies is security. Okay? So, Hands, show of hands, how many people, either themselves or people in their office, have passwords written on a it note in front of the computer? <laughs> you laugh, I don't laugh, okay? Because the honest truth is, is that most security hacks are just, are foolish, right? The, the, here's a, here's a story for you, so the Equifax hack, right, that huge hack that happened with Equifax. The reason why that happened is because, not only was there a portal facing the internet that shouldn't have been, but the username was admin, and the password was admin. The single biggest financial hack in history because of sheer stupidity. So there's no excuse for it anymore. I personally have, you know how the best practice is to have super complicated passwords that aren't actually words? So believe it or not, I actually have that for everything. How do I keep track of that? Definitely not with my head, that's insane, it's impossible. But there are different applications, different different uh, softwares out there that will literally track every password you have for you. And all you gotta do is memorize one complicated one to get in it. So I use a company called LastPass, there's a couple others called uh, 1Password and Dashlane. And essentially, I can have super complicated, difficult passwords for everything. It will even suggest what that password should be, they just create a random one. And it also works as kind of a bookmark, so I basically use my, like, go to my browser, click the little button, type in the website I'm going to, hit enter, and basically it opens up the website, populates the password, submits the password, and I boom in the system. And if you work with Teams, and you need to share passwords, you can actually create sharing settings. You can create shared folders. So my staff of seven people, basically we have multiple folders. We have the everybody's got access, only management's got access, and then I got got access to it. And if one person changes the password, it changes automatically for everybody else. So frankly, when people tell me, when they start laughing about about post-it notes, yeah, if your place gets broken into, guess what? Your security was basically, no, no pun intended, paper thin. The other thing is, two-factor authentication. And we're all slowly probably starting to see this. Now the banks are starting to push it too. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen this where you get a text message basically giving you a number code. Here's the thing about those. That's good, it's better than nothing, but but SIM cards can be can be spoofed, and someone else can intercept that. Uh, does anyone remember those little fobs that had numbers that changed every minute? Yeah. So guess what? You no longer need a fob. You can literally get an app on your phone that does the exact same thing. It's called Google, Google Authenticator. And most places that support two-factor authentication support this form of two-factor authentication. So now for someone to break in to anything, they need either A, your super complicated password, or B, the password that opens up your super complicated password vault and your cell phone. Guess how many hacks we have had in my company? It even gives you a score, unless you know how, bad, how, how big your, your passwords are. So when my staff start to dip below a certain level because I know that they're getting lazy and generating passwords, they hear it from me. How many of you have a website that looks like it came from 2001? Laughter? Shame? Is there any shame in the room? Okay. So there's no excuse for that anymore. For literally less than 20 bucks a month, you can, live, you can have one of these services like Squarespace or Wix give you a template, host it for you, and here's the thing about it. It's not complicated to work. You don't need to know how to code. As long as you can type into Word and upload a picture, you can have a gorgeous website. If you don't believe me, look at woodgate.com. That's my website. It is bloody stunning, and you would think I spent a bloody fortune on it. It cost me $40 a month. All right. Don't get me wrong. The photographers cost me money, and so the copywriter, but everybody. the but bottom line is, like I said, pictures, you can upload a picture, and you can type into Word. You can run one of these. Now... There's no, in my opinion, there is no less, um, no less thankless job than HR. (laughs) And it's a pain. And I'm guessing if any of you are on teams, you probably have various HR resources lying around. You have a spreadsheet to track time off. You have basically contracts sitting in a folder maybe. You have information sitting on multiple systems. Again, no excuse for that. Uh, There's companies that will basically give you free HR software. You mean HR being a local one Toronto, And basically what they do is essentially give you free HR software. You can, like I said, it's pretty straightforward, but it does a lot of great things. If you're onboarding someone, you can upload the contract into it, put in what the person's name is, email address, the start date, all the relevant information, and boom, it sends it off for e-signature, stores it all in one place. They store all your your contracts, client files, uh, employee files, reviews, T4s, whatever you want in one space. On top of that, they basically track all the time-off requests, they also track whatever piece of HR information you would ever possibly want to know. And very shortly, they're actually going to integrate with payroll so that when you actually change a person's salary, you enter in one spot and it updates across the board. So, let me tell you a little story about my poor assistant. My poor assistant, at one point, admitted when we asked her what was keeping, taking the most time for her, she said, well, booking and confirming meetings for the three of you because I have two partners. And I'm like, well, how much time is that taking up? She's like, oh, easily 60% of my time. Second I heard that, I'm like, that's the end of it. So, basically, we instituted an online scheduling system. Schedule once is the one I've used. There's many of them, calendarly, a bunch of other ones. And the one I use specifically, if we want to have a meeting booked, and we're typically, arranging these over email anyway, we send off a link, client clicks on that link. I'm sure some of you have seen stuff like this. My calendar comes up, they have to pick their date, pick their time, put in who they are, and bang, it's done. And then they get all the reminders. And guess what happens when people get reminded? They show up, or if they have to rebook, there's a link right there to open up the calendar and do it again. It even text them a reminder the day of, so they can't possibly sit in and say the email. Now, let's just say you don't like that. Say you like the human feel. Well, here's a better idea. You, you don't have to do something like this. You can actually use artificial intelligence. There's a company called Clara Labs, and there's a couple other ones that do the same thing, and what you would do is instead of actually having your assistant book the appointment or you handling it, you copy, you say, Clara will book this for you, and you copy Clara, and Clara basically will respond back, hello, Joe. Uh, would you be free to meet with Jason on this date at this time? Joe says no. Uh, but can you, are you free at this date? Well, yes, he is. How about this time? Great, right. boom, sends confirmation, done, sends the email invite. sends the calendar invite. I have a friend who's been using that for over a year. He's actually had people call, calling asking to speak to his assistant. <laughs> that's how convincing it is, that's how natural it is. So, funny story about the scheduling system that feeds into this. So when we started offering that solution, one of the things we put down was gave people the option for virtual meetings, right? Through Google Hangouts, Slack, or Zoom, whatever they wanted to use. And I figured the younger ones, the younger clients, would really flock to that. The number of people in general who I realized didn't want to drive to my office, it makes sense. Why drive a downtown model for a meeting when you can sit in your pajamas at home and have the same conversation? So the number of virtual meetings we've been having with people at, like I said, every age bracket, compared to in person is skyrocketing. In fact, it's also keeping me out of the office more because I can have these things at home as well, so I appreciate that convenience. But if you're gonna work remotely, what about your phone system, right? Clients get a call, you have voicemails, you got to check in on them, blah, blah, blah. You have expensive PBX phones. Alternatively, you can have a virtual PBX, a virtual phone system. Uh, Reed Central is probably one of the bigger players in this space, and literally, what happens is they call in a phone number, it gets routed to whatever device or whatever location you want, right? If you work from home on Mondays, you can have it ring your home phone on Mondays. If you want it to ring your cell phone only between the hours of nine and five, it will only ring your phone between the hours of nine and five. If you want it to ring your iPad, you when they make phone calls from your computer, it does all of that. In addition to that, it also integrates with other softwares through the magic of APIs we discussed earlier. So for example, with Salesforce, you have to use that as a CRM. Someone calls in, it will bring up that client's record and open up a a box for you to put in notes. If you want to call the person, you click on that, it opens up a box for you to put in notes. So it's skipping ahead. Of course, productivity. How many people here still use the desktop version of Excel and, and Word and everything else? I'm putting your hands down, people. Come on. Let me ask you something. How, how often do you have a file that you're like, "Oh, I left it at the office. I wish I could use it on my home computer." Yeah, no one wants to admit to it. Okay, so the cloud is not a big scary place anymore, especially if you use proper security. Put everything in the cloud. In fact, don't even bother. I don't even bother using the desktop version of anything. I just use it all in a browser because I know if I started there, it's going to be saved there. I'm going to have access to everything. If you ask me to bring up any client's file for anything that's happened ever in my business, I can literally walk over to my iPad and pull it all up right now. My wife doesn't like that when I'm on vacation, by the way. Anyway, so how about collaborating with your team, especially if you're not in the same place or multiple locations, that can be a challenge. How many people hate their inbox, Yeah, like. You open it up, you go to the watch and you come back and you're like 20, 20 emails, what happened? And you know, of course, a big chunk of those are spam and the other, the, the other big chunk is staff or people you work with and just managing the flow of that email. Right? And of course, it's a very inefficient way to communicate because right? you type your response and it goes off and then they eventually type a response and it comes back and you're just constantly hitting each other's emails. What Slack is, is it's, de- it's a dedicated uh, collaboration communication platform. So what it is, is it basically allows you to communicate one-on-one with anyone on there, without ever having to touch your email, as if you were chatting, invert an in instant messenger. Uh, also, it also creates these things called channels. So say for example, we have channels around clients. Uh, someone's preparing a financial plan for a client, client talks to me, I basically can go into that channel, type in, whatever that person needs to know, and they can reply and ask questions. And it's all in one dedicated space. And there's an entire history. So if I come late to a situation, I can click on it and look at the entire communication protocol, So the communication history. I kid you not, I have nine different companies, or nine different organizations on this, between associations I'm the executive of, my own main company, some startups, and just some social groups. And this is how, my, I'm telling you, my, my email may have been cut in half in the last six months since I implemented this. And it's a far more relaxed atmosphere for how to do this. It also allows you to share files securely, to communicate securely, uh, you can tie up, again, through APIs, you can tie in almost anything into this. And then, uh, in terms of newsletters, how many of you still print up a newsletter, anyone? No? Good. Uh, you can actually send world-class, gorgeous online newsletters to up to 2,000 people per newsletter, and 12,000 emails per month for free through a company called Mailchimp. Again, if you can type into Word, you can send a newsletter. Right? Even tra- even tracks, even tells you if you should bother. Right? Because even tracks your opening rate, and your click rate, and even benchmarks that against other people in your in your industry. And lastly, in terms of uh, finding out if we're doing a good job or not, well when is the last time you sent a client survey? It sounds like a lot of work, especially if you got to mail it. Mailed. So another free tool called Survey, well there's also paid versions, but SurveyMonkey. I put these on the same page as they're both primates. Uh, but anyway, the survey, no one ever laughs at that. Um, SurveyMonkey basically allows you to send up a, to a 10 question survey for free. Right? So why not actually get feedback from your actual clients? And then, of course, it can, through APIs, tie into CRMs and other tools to put everything in one place. So, I probably overwhelmed you with a shopping list. Um, you'll probably have to go back and look at some of these names. But the reality is, is that you don't have to revolutionize your business in one day. You pick on, my advice is always pick on the thing that causes the most pain or the thing that, that adds the least value to your client experience. And then if you find something that's causing you pain or is not a great experience for your clients, just Googling it online will often bring up multiple vendors that provide that one solution. And yeah, you saw, there's a lot of solutions here, but here's the thing about a lot of these things. None of these things break the bank. I mean, many of these solutions have free tiers, or some of them start in literally the tens of dollars per month, tens, right? You're not dishing out $500 for a software package to get this done, and you can cut it off at any time. So start small, start building out a better experience, because quite frankly, not only are I, at least I find, there's an old one, let me take a step back. It is saying now in tech circles, and it's very simple. It is, and I think you're all gonna understand this. Am- Apple's gotten us used to beautiful, and Amazon's gotten us be- used to instant, right? Like literally, I can get to work, pull out my phone, think it re- think I need to buy batteries or something like that, and by the time I get home, it's delivered to my doorstep, right? Everything I touch when it comes to my, my iPhone looks gorgeous compared to like, a fully formed piece of software. And frankly, that's starting to trickle into everybody else's understanding of the way things should be. When you ever, I'm sure you've had client pushback to say, why is this thing so terrible? Or why is this thing so hard? Like, that is something that people are just gonna stop accepting. And unless we start making incremental improvements, you are gonna be the dinosaur left behind as everybody else starts to eat your lunch. And like I showed you before, you have companies that can hit you not, Went from like six to eight people to like 60 to 40 to 60 inside of, what was it, like six years? right? There's definite demand for people who operate at this level, and again Bench.com, just on bookkeeping $18 million in this last funding round right? These are the people who are creating these better experiences and that's why they're attracting that kind of money and attention and that's going to be your competition in the future so I highly suggest that you not sit back and wait for these people to eat your lunch but start improving your client experience at the same time uh, as mentioned earlier, I do have a podcast where you can learn more about this stuff it's FinTech Impact it is literally available everywhere I could possibly put it Uh, You can write it down or you can pull your phones out right now and just do that. That's fine. Um, I interview different FitTech entrepreneurs and people of interest. Uh, Everyone from Paul Denver III, who's kind enough to come on my podcast, all the way down to people who are literally just about to launch their business the next day. So you get a really good sense of what's going on in the marketplace. Okay, so thank you very much for your time. Hopefully, you guys learned something there. like a few other episodes in the past this has been a recap of the different solutions that are available in the marketplace for different practitioners and with that i'm your host jason Pereira. until next time if you enjoyed this podcast please leave a review on itunes stitcher wherever it is you get your podcast take care